Today's uh, Bible readings from Colossians 1, uh, verses 15 to uh, 23, it is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Well, good morning. It is really great to be here with you today. My name is Isaac. I'm one of the assistant ministers at our church. I can say one of the assistant ministers now. How exciting is that? Yeah. (laughs) How good. Uh, It's great to be here with you today. We are talking about peace. Uh, And for a lot of you, you are already on holidays. You know exactly what that feels like. And for others of us, you are just longing to get on those holidays. Uh, Here's a few scenarios I thought of as as I led, led up to this topic of peace. Um, You're reading your favourite book, finally on the beach, you've made it to the end of the year, but then at the beach for some reason there's jackhammers that start going along and you kind of get totally distracted, you can't even read your book that you've been longing to read. Or yesterday, uh, my family, they had a kind of early Christmas uh, lunch up in Armadale and they opened the present from Uncle Isaac to one of my nephews. And it was this little cactus guy from Winston Hills Shops. I don't know if you've seen it. Some of you have seen it. And it's super annoying. It just records everything you say and it it says it back constantly. And they had it going for three hours, they said. Um, And there was no more peace at that lunch. (laughs) I've done my job. Or maybe you're watching the Big Bash cricket and then the rain kind of delays play. Or you're attempting a really nice family lunch just one moment in the year and then all these tensions sort of boil up and and stuff kind of happens yet again and words sink deep. We long for peace, don't we? we? We want there to be rest and restoration between us, but it's often elusive, isn't it? We yearn for peace, but that's not the way that our world actually is. Hey, Now, I know you've come today to hear how you can find peace. That's been on our little flyers that we've given out to many people in our area. And I want to assure you that peace will sing. It will be far more sweet 
if we spend time at the start thinking actually about how our world is at war with God. We're actually against God. See, we might yearn for peace, but so much of our experiences actually show us that our world is really against God. And there's all kinds of turmoil and disaster in our world. So that's our first point for today. There aren't any slides, so I'm just sort of uh, in the, the holiday kind of frame, we'll say. Point number one, our world is at war with God. So you notice in verse 20, if you're open there in Colossians chapter 1, we're told that Jesus will reconcile all things to himself, things on earth and in heaven. See, everything in creation requires being reconciled to God. And that should help you to see that the impact of sin has been pervasive. Everything needs to be reconciled. All things have been estranged from their creator. And part of the reason for this whole scale reconciliation, which Jesus brings, is because we were all in ISO, excluded from relationship with God. Now, I know that word might be triggering for you. It's a bit too soon, maybe, and especially around Christmas time. I'm sorry. But see there in verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. We were alienated from God. We were really isolated from Him. We were seeking after our own benefit above God and really was waging war against Him. It says we were enemies. We, we were saying, you know, we know best, God. We don't want to follow your way. And this is the sad state of our world, of many people who are continuing on as enemies of God. See, humanity have treated God as an enemy, and so God isolates us. He is holy. He is perfect and pure. He's unique. And as a good God, he cannot let such behavior and rebellion happen without any consequences. See, out of his justice and his purity, he isolates us. He can't stand to be with evil. And we need him to accept us as friends again. We need him to be satisfied that we can be in his presence and yet he remains just and pure. How can this be? Now, as I say these words, that we're all in isolation from God, alienated from him, I'm sure probably all of us have felt that at some point in life. A sense that our wrongdoings have created this barrier between us and God. We wonder, does God really care about those words I'm praying right now? Does he really listen? He feels really distant. Now, the reality is that we've each made ourselves as enemies of God by our sin. Our sin is basically, you know, choosing to isolate ourselves from God and live how we want to live. So it's almost like self-made isolation that we've put ourselves in. We've made ourselves his rival. And it creates this deep chasm between us and God. Now, you might have actually come here today thinking, well, actually, without Jesus, I'm, I'm all right. I think I'm neutral with God. I, I'm kind of better than a lot of other people. Uh, you might, you know, give God a bit of space and he gives you a bit of space. And you might think that things are actually okay. But the Bible tells us a different story here. There is this huge chasm between us and God because of our sin. We need a solution, a saviour. And living in a world at war with God, we experience the opposite of peace every day, don't we? You know, sin has had this cosmic effect on everything in this world. 
There's natural disaster after natural disaster. There are wars beyond number. Wars become something that children just get used to, which is devastating. And personally, we experience you know, that, that sense of being stressed for something or we fight with those around us. We tire in our work. We're confused and frustrated in our thoughts. We're far from peace a lot of the time. And as we come to the last week of the year, are you longing for peace in life? Are you longing for things to just get a little bit better, a bit more restored? And peace for our world as well. Now you might have realized that even though we might long deeply for peace, we just can't manufacture it from ourselves. It's not something that comes from within. Like we're the problem is what we've seen and we can't exactly be the solution. Now, many people in our world might tell us that we are the solution, that we can find peace in and of ourselves. You know, don't worry, be happy. Just ignore the things that might get us down. Focus on the good in life. And I think ultimately, as you consider that, that way of living, if you were to really live it out entirely, don't worry, be happy, it's a pretty selfish way to live, isn't it? It's sort of ignoring that there actually is a lot of people not experiencing peace in this world. And lots of my friends kind of live like this. They seem to kind of deny all the kind of bad stuff that's happening in our world and just push it away for a moment. Maybe just focus on meditation for a moment and hope like desperately that that might bring them peace. And I get it. They're longing. They want a solution. Maybe just a shift of focus is all you really need. But how does ignoring really help anyone? How might the idolatry of rest or of comfort, or, you know, living a life of excess in all of your wealth, how could these things give us deep, lasting peace? How can kind of putting ourselves in a bubble of peace actually solve this cosmic problem? Well, we have been advertising for the last few, uh, I guess, month or a few weeks to come and find peace as we hear the gospel of Jesus yet again. And so far we've seen that we've been isolated from God, but there is a but in verse 22 of this passage. Now he has reconciled you. See, there's a reason for all this effort. While we put on all of this fanfare at Christmas time, there's a reason why we put on all this effort as a church. It's all about showing you that you can be at peace with God again. So our second point today, come and find peace. Come to the king. Come to the king. See, peace is, possibly own, it, peace is possible only with the prince of peace. Uh, if you think about it, he's the only one who's not at war with God, from what we've seen in Colossians. And we're actually going to look a bit about Jesus' identity, because it's who he is that means that he can bring peace for us, that he's creator that he is the firstborn over creation and the head of the church. See, because of who Jesus is, he can make peace by his blood. See, this baby was born a weak um, baby. Mary and Joseph rocked him to sleep and must have pondered what God would do through him. The shepherds were told that the Savior had been born. The Messiah, the Lord, they came from far away bringing their gifts They were guided by this miraculous star to him, amazed by what God might do through him. 
See, for this boy, many nations in our world currently, they stop at Christmas time and remember Jesus. We put all this effort into celebrating Christmas, don't we? We put all of our kind of lights up the front. Uh, Robert O'Donoghue did an amazing job again with all the lights. Thank you, mate, and your friends as well. We put all this effort into celebrating and having a fanfare for Jesus. You know, we send presents around all of Australia, around the world. And some of us even sing a song about gravy as well. Uh, there is so much effort that goes into celebrating Christmas time. And it's because of what happened, how mind-blowing it is that Jesus, the Lord of the universe, stepped into our world. In verse 15, it says, The invisible God has made himself visible, and it's in Jesus, the God who always existed, who needs nobody. He lowered himself to walk with us. And take heart that he desires peace even more than we do. He was willing to come as a man and to die as a man for our peace. And we read that all things were created through him and for him. And these are the most incredible verses when you stop and consider them. They give you so much purpose in life as well. That the Son has created everything and that our lives, our summer holidays that we're about to go on to, our jobs, the way we interact with others, it's all about Jesus. It's all for his glory. And in verse 18, we're told that Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. I, I really love this imagery. It's telling us that he is supreme, he's number one, but that we're included with him. We're part of his church, members of him. And yet another incredible description of Jesus, verse 16, the firstborn over all creation. You might be thinking, what's going on here? When we think of firstborn in Australia, it doesn't really have much significance, does it? Uh, often it just means it's kind of the first kid that learns how to do a nappy for their siblings and that kind of thing. You know, there's all this kind of interesting research out there, actually, about firstborn psychology and different birth order, and maybe you're more confident or more independent. I don't know. I'll let you do that research in your own time. But what does Paul mean here when he says that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation? Well, in the ancient world, the firstborn was the one to inherit the father's estate. They got everything. They were the highest rank, the privileged one. So imagine Mufasa. As he gazes over all the pride lands and he speaks to Simba, he says, one day, I won't do the voice, one day, Simba, <laughs> all of this will be yours. One day, all of this will be yours. Simba, he sees everything around him and he realizes it's all going to be his. He's the heir of this estate. The whole of creation is Jesus. He owns it all. It all belongs to him. Isn't that incredible? Now, I've labored the identity of Jesus here because it's who he is that means that he can bring us peace. And that's what we remember at Christmas time. He is the creator God, the head of the church, the heir of the universe. And that's why his blood actually brings peace. See, if one of us tried to sacrifice ourselves to save the world, it'd be a bit of a, a feeble attempt, wouldn't it? It wouldn't bring peace. It might be a valiant desire to go after, but your death couldn't bring salvation to billions. But the death of Jesus, God with us, 
the head of the church, the heir of the universe, the death of him is worth more than we can ever, ever imagine. So he was punished in our place and he, he offers forgiveness to all. By his death, we can be restored to relationship with God, have that direct access to God and be his friends. Even though we've been his enemies for the longest of times, he treats us with incredible grace. And now we don't actually have to fear death any longer. We see that again in this passage. Again, the word firstborn comes up. But now Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. That means that he's the first from many to be raised back to life. Jesus, he's the initiator of a new era of people who have victory over death. We now have no fear of death. We can live in that peace knowing we're forgiven by God. And verse 22, we're told that we're reconciled to God if you continue in your faith established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So my encouragement to you this Christmas time is to continue in faith. Stay firm and unmoved in Jesus, our friend. I also want to encourage us that if we have found peace in Jesus, to speak of him, let him overflow to others. And I've been so encouraged seeing many of you naturally do this at our carols event or simply inviting your neighbours to church. I love when people just talk about Jesus as we've seen how incredible he is. I still remember when I first moved to Newcastle as a 19-year-old guy and I was struck by that church. Everyone kept talking about Jesus in a really different way. I'd grown up in the church for a lot of of years, uh, but I was sort of struck by this friend of mine who said, On her Facebook profile, her religion was, I love Jesus. And that was it. And I was a Presbyterian. And I was like, come on, you've got to have some more details in there. You've got to put something about being a Reformed, Evangelical, uh, what else, predestined saint who's been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Like, how did you not include that in there? But my friend, they understood it. It all comes to Jesus, who he is. They got that all of creation, seen and unseen, centers around him. And I didn't really grasp that at that point. And I'm so glad that I have over the years. I would love if our church is like that, where people are just talking about Jesus and overflowing, boasting about him. And I'm so encouraged when we do that. On to our last point for today. Uh, Let peace overflow now and forever. So if we are experiencing peace between ourselves and God, let us have peace overflow now in our relationships and for all of eternity. Now we pursue peace within our own circumstances, within our own ability, knowing that we don't need to act as the ultimate judge. Isn't that freeing? We don't have to act as the ultimate judge. And our sin means that we would be a terrible, we're terrible judges anyway, right? We're distorted by our sin, but God has a day coming when he will judge the world in righteousness. And we're to trust in him, that he will not forget about any wrongdoing. So we don't need to be that ultimate judge. We don't always have to hold people to account. Instead of setting ourselves up as the judge, we become servants of the gospel of peace, just like Paul says he is. 
a servant of this gospel. We're eager to make peace and point people to Jesus, the true peacemaker. And Jesus, he taught us to pursue being a peacemaker. Now, he wasn't saying being a peacekeeper, you know, just never rocking the boat or never speaking the truth or avoiding conflict in every situation. Instead, we often will seek to wade through whatever friction or opposition there might be, driven to create peace. So you can see in the New Testament how important peace is for those who follow Jesus. See, the way in which the church interacts peacefully is to be an enduring characteristic of this community. And the book of Ephesians goes into detail about how the Jews and the Gentiles are to act in peace because it actually adorns the gospel of Christ. It points to Jesus and his gospel. Uh, I was really encouraged by a minister who I uh, worked with many years ago uh, who saw he was in a, a fairly small church that there was lots of division at this time. Uh, I was a student minister at the time uh, and he saw this division. Uh, one example was uh, one week after the service, people went around with a, a, um, a clipboard uh, getting names of people who didn't want to be in his Bible study group. Um, so it was pretty vicious, right? Pretty divisive. Uh, pretty discouraging for him. Uh, and this minister was pretty tired. He was doing a wonderful job trying to be um, yeah, a servant of the gospel of peace. Uh, and it got to the point where they had Lord's Supper one week and he realized that he couldn't partake in the Lord's Supper. There was just so much going on in the community. And he expressed that. He actually said up the front of church, it was a smaller church, so you could kind of do that, that he wasn't comfortable in doing that. And that was incredible. <laughs> It kind of halted the service. If you were a newcomer, you'd probably be thinking, what is going on here? But it halted the service, and people came alongside him, and it brings a tear to my eye. There was tears flowing. People could see that they needed to be people of peace, and that it was serious that they were dividing the church because it was to point to Christ and his gospel. And that has stayed with me. Uh, the, the actions of... Well, a number of people who showed forgiveness and love that day. And Jesus can make an incredible change. He made an incredible change in that community from that one day, I think. For those who desire and who actually enact peace. So my encouragement is for you to pursue it today. But our attempts of peace will be partial at best, won't they? We will not nail it. We will not figure it all out. We are so limited in our pursuit of peace and there's just so much going on when we start to think about it, isn't there? It can be overwhelming at times. But let's remember, we will have perfect peace for eternity with Jesus. We'll have peace which can't impact us at all. There's, there's no division, no fighting, no longing. It will be the reality and I was really encouraged this week as I read through a passage which kind of talks about eternity. We're going to leave uh, end, end today in this passage from the Old Testament, uh, describing a community about peace rather than war. And it, I found it really encouraging. So this is from Isaiah chapter 2. It's a prophecy uh, about what the community will be like um, surrounded by peace. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. 
Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. What an incredible image. Uh, Let us pray to our, our God of peace, thanking him for bringing us close to him. Let's pray. Our dear Father, we acknowledge that we have all turned our backs on you. Uh, We have all become enemies of you. Uh, We thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that you have not left us in our state, but Jesus came. He came to be our saviour, and we thank you for him this Christmas time. We pray that you would help us uh, to trust in Jesus, to remain firm in our faith in him. And Lord, as we are encouraged uh, by the peace you offer us, uh, might it shape how we interact with others. Uh, We thank you uh, for this chance to gather like this and to encourage one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.